Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, Wayne Liu. I'm joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong, who has just fed half the office, our favorite half of the office, for lunch. What's going on, man? You're, you're good? Thank yeah. you for lunch. Yeah, of course. First and I, foremost. You know, we took, um, we took a day off yesterday because the Jays were playing in the afternoon. And yeah, lots of news coming through. Today's show is just going to produce itself. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, we've been talking so much playoffs, and we will do it as well today. I'm sure we will talk about um, the Warriors, uh, you know, avoiding elimination, the Knicks avoiding elimination. Um, but, you know, we haven't focused so much on the Raptors side of things just because there hasn't been any news. But um, there was a lot of Raptors news that's been brought up. Uh, podcasters are being uh, interviewed for the job. So um, if I am no longer on this show, you'll know why. Um, but, uh, no, I'm kidding. It's just JJ Redick getting the interview. But, um, yeah, no, it was, it was cool. I also realized I was like the first like midday or midweek off day I've had in like months. Oh, are you complaining about where no, 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 not, not at all. Okay. I'm just like, I would, I, I was I would like, never do that. No. I was just not used to the rhythm of like mm-hmm. taking a day off and then coming in the office. Yeah. Unfortunately, I had to, mid-week. I had to wake up at eight in the morning, you know, change my tires on my 2001 Honda Civic. So, Okay. And? You know, it was a it was a long day for me. Why are you why are you dressed so warmly? By the way, it's twenty five degrees outside. This you know, guy's I wearing don't, a thick sweater. You know, I don't dress and another to the sweater weather. underneath. What you are know, you I doing? don't dress to the weather. Um, we got Michael Grange joining us in a few minutes. Um, he wrote an article earlier this week with a quick update on the Raptors' coaching search. Um, as of now, uh, no surprise, they're casting the net pretty wide. As as everybody I think has heard, like the different reports filtering out, the interviews with assistants. And there's no short list as, as of now. The list of names that the Raptors have requested permission for or have interviewed include Becky Hammond, Patrick Matumbo, Kenny Atkinson, Charles Lee, Chris Quinn, Sam Cassell of the Sixers, Jordy Fernandez of the Kings, and also other candidates that have been mentioned include Jerry Stackhouse, who obviously has a history with the organization. Mm-hmm. Current Raptors head coach Adrian Griffin, which Woj reported today, is also interviewing for the Milwaukee Bucks position and Denver Nuggets assistant David Adelman. But... You know, the thing that jumped out too, you know, Grange wrote, quote, former Raptor head coach Dwayne Casey is thought to have registered interest. And also one source suggested that Toronto has looked into the possibility, as you mentioned, of, um, you know, hiring broadcaster and podcaster J.J. Oh, Redick wow. as, a, as a head coach. And, and Woj did um, also report yesterday that, that J.J. did interview as part of the first round of candidates hmm. to meet with franchise leadership J.J. Redick. You know, battling Stephen A. in the morning and then hopping on a Zoom with Bobby and Masai. That's a life, man. First off, I'm surprised we haven't had public comment from J.J. Redick on this subject, considering he is on TV all the time. Mm. He's doing games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I rather enjoy J.J. as a podcaster, as a broadcaster as well. As a player, I definitely despised him. You know, oh, he was just okay. one of those guys. He really was like an unlikable player. Sure. Uh, even obviously dating back to his time at Duke famously, but... Um, it was mostly because he was always on the Sixers and he would always hit like six or seven threes mm-hmm. against the Raptors. So there was no actual reason for that dislike except for that one reason that we're not going to talk about in Asian Heritage Month. Oh, God. Uh, but um, otherwise, yeah, no, I'm. it's, uh, you know, a couple things I'm taking away from this. Number mm-hmm. one, the Raptors are still in their first round phase. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, okay, we've... Well, we've listen, we've, they made it to the first round. They did it this season. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, okay, relax. Sorry. Um, but like, yeah, there, there's uh, still more of this process to go. Mm. Um, you know, I think the, the timeline that uh, you and I were made familiar with was that it would take about a month, if not more than a month. There'd be a wide-ranging number of candidates, potentially two dozen. We're, we've heard about at least a dozen of them now mm-hmm. that have come public. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, this. Yeah, and I, and I think and I think um, like there was a like a viral reaction to, to JJ Reddick's name just just because oh, of, of what of he's course. doing right now. Yeah, he's very and topical, it, and it's a very kind of out the box name, right? Like like mm-hmm. this is similar to uh, Coach David Thorpe, you know, listing Udonis Haslam as his number have, one candidate. I have not heard you Haslam's name. But I, but I think the thing, too, and, like, we'll, we'll talk to Granger about this in a sec, it's, it's just, like, you know, when you think about JJ and we think about what the Raptors are trying to get out of this coaching search, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's understandable why they would cast such a wide net. You know, a lot of talk about culture and things breaking down this sure, season. Sure. Like, you want to find out what each of these people from these different organizations with the different experiences are going to bring, right? And when I think about JJ, too, and this might not be specific to JJ, but it's, like, you know, it's worth exploring bringing in a, a former player. You know, a former player. Oh, yeah. We've seen players yeah. like the one that jumps to mind for me is Ty Lue. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can you can list a lot of other former players turned coaches who haven't had, you know, good results. But like, you know, there is benefit to bringing in a former player too, right? If you want to, you know, bring bring the locker room back together, you know, bring back culture, find a coach that the players do respect, right? And JJ sure, played in sure. the league very recently. And I think even like if you think about the podcast, like all, all the jokes aside, it's like he has demonstrated that that he has a very smart mind when it comes to basketball. Whether that translates to being one of the 30 head coaches in the NBA, yeah, that's yeah. another question. But like, I, I mean, thinking deeper about it, like, you know, that's where I feel like the Raptors are, are coming from with this, right? It is also interesting to me. Um, maybe I'm just a little cynical, but the Raptors <laughs> are interviewing very topical names. Like, oh. You know what I mean? The Raptors head coaching oh, yeah, search. This is your like, theory. Bring it on air. It's yeah. It's a lot of like... You know, names that would definitely catch a headline. Yeah. And you compare it to, like, a, the Pistons head coaching job, which is still ongoing, by the way, the, the, the coaching search. Yeah, the door is open at the Pistons front office. Yeah. <laughs> you um, can walk in and interview if you'd like. You know, I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see what podcasters are interested as well. But, yeah. like, you Nate, don't hear anything Nate, about it. You, you know what I mean? Nate like Duncan we, hasn't been mentioned as a potential candidate. I, I believe the they're going show. for Danny LaRue. Anyway, okay. we, have, uh, we have Michael Grange of Sportsnet on the line. Grange, you broke the story that uh, J.J. Redick would be a candidate um, to be interviewed. Woj followed up and uh, confirmed that there was an uh, interview that sort of took place this week. Um, I mean, obviously, this is the most topical name that has really come up here just because I think, you know, you just don't see anyone else make the jump from first take to the head coaching position. But, uh, Grange, yeah, what were your thoughts when you sort of heard about it uh, initially? Yeah, I was a little surprised, and uh, obviously. And, um, you know, it's kind of nice have Woj follow up and confirm something. I've definitely had Woj follow up and confirm I was wrong more than once. So it was kind of a nice, uh, nice, uh, nice change. But um, anyway, I think, um, you know, it kind of brought to mind uh, just listening to you guys off the top. I thought you made a lot of really good points brought to mind a little bit, you know, what Brooklyn might've been looking for with Steve Nash. Mm. And, um, you know, that'd be sort of the more recent comparison. Um, and I could see where, you know, the interesting thing with, with JJ, when you, I looked into it a little bit is, is he's been pretty open about wanting to coach. Like he's clearly kind of looking for something to really dig his teeth into, um, you know, if he doesn't want to just go all in for the rest of his career in broadcasting and, you know, he would have his choice just based on his reputation and, and, you know, anyone who's listened to his podcast regularly can, can coach. He's a pretty clever dude. So, um, you know, and he kind of made a point that like he'd rather do the coaching than the, than the GM route, just because it's, you know, he really seems to crave the action, crave the activity, crave being close to the game. And, um, you know, so I would suspect he's probably 
as interested learning about the process of interviewing and and what an organization might be looking for as much as as you you guys point out that the organization is look taking every opportunity to kind of educate it itself about not only the candidates but what um, different candidates might see or bring. So I think it's that's why these nets get cast pretty wide. Um, I, I would say this about JJ Redick: I have zero doubt he couldn't become, you know, an excellent NBA head coach. And you know, Steve Kerr is another one that jumps to mind, right? Just a very special person, just a very bright, smart guy with an exceptional level of experiences that are very are rare. Like you just cannot kind of whether he's coached or not, you just can't put together a kind of a line by line resume in terms of basketball that some of these guys can can create just because of who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Steve did it. He went straight from broadcasting to coach. Well, he went to GM, then he went to coaching. But my only hesitation with uh, the guys, a guy like JJ Redick, who uh, is coaching is such a grind in the NBA. It's relentless. And um, as difficult as it is as a player and, and, you know, there's so many sacrifices that have to be made to last as long as he did in the league. Um, I think coaching is just another level. It's 24 seven, it's 365. And I would, I'd be a little more comfortable with guys who have at least been on a bench as an assistant like Ty Lue was for several years, just so they can kind of get a flavor of it. Um, you know, so that's sort of my thing. I, I think, you know, you'd be taking a risk with J.J. Redick. I think I understand why you'd want to find out how interested and committed he might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you do get a little nervous, and I think about just how difficult that job can be, even though, you know, J.J. would know it a lot better than I am, having actually been coached by someone in the NBA before. Right. Um, yeah, the, the Steve Nash comparison I think is interesting because – in, in that one, obviously putting aside the, the KD and Kyrie being like, oh, you know, we don't necessarily need a coach. I think of myself as a coach, you know, putting aside that stuff, because obviously there's not those type of characters in Toronto. To be honest, it's not those type of talented players in Toronto currently either to even demand such things. Um, but what they did with Steve was they, they, they put a guy like Jacques Vaughn, who was, had former head coaching experience and a lot of coaching experience, period, on that staff. They had Ime Udoka, who obviously eventually went on to Boston and now uh, to Houston. Um, he was one of the, the lead assistants. Like, you would really need to stock that assistant group with a lot of experience and also a lot of, like, emerging talent to support a new player coming to that scenario. And, and even in Steve's case, he at least did some um, player training, and he was, like, technically an assistant staff or maybe, like, a special advisor. You never really know with these titles. But he did work with the Warriors for a couple of years uh, where he first developed that relationship with uh, with Kevin Durant. Um, okay, so, Grange... Not to move past the J.J. Redick thing, uh, which is, I think, very interesting. Um, I, I, I saw that you also put in that Dwayne Casey has thought to be, have registered interest in this job. Are we? Are, are, that, that one was that one floored me. Are we bringing the Are we bringing the Rock back to uh, to Scotiabank Arena? We're not talking with Dwayne Johnson. Um, I don't think Dwayne Casey is is going to be in the front running. No disrespect to Dwayne, I might I got a lot of time for him. Obviously, I I just think that you know he kind of my understanding is he looks at the situation here in Toronto and says, well, why not me? Hmm. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, okay. you know, and why not him? Like, I mean, you know, he's a pretty accomplished coach. So I just think uh, you know a lot's been made of him. 
Um, moving up to front of the front office, I think that's you know that that was definitely something he's. My understanding is it's uh, you know he's excited about that opportunity, but you know I, I think registered interest is, is the word. I think he just said, hey, listen, if you guys are stuck or if you know don't don't forget don't forget how well how good we worked together when I was here. I think that's probably the way to take it. But I think you know my understanding is 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 I'd be surprised if the Raptors go with an already established NBA right. head coach. Right. I think that they. Um, you know, not that they want to outsmart themselves or anyone, but I, I just think that, and, and as they should. Like, I mean, the, we talk about how difficult to make the NBA as a player. There's only the 450 full-time jobs. Um, there's only 30 coaches, right? So you know somewhere in the world there's got to be a guy who's, uh, or girl or woman, who's incredibly capable of exceeding or excelling in this role. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of finding that person and nailing them down and, and, and finding a way to support. So I think, you know, back when Nick was hired, I think obviously Budenholzer was a very interesting choice because for a team that was right on the cusp of contending or winning, um, but they were also an effort and, and an open mind towards, you know, not going to retread route. And, uh, and I've, I've not in this context, but in other, in previous contexts, I've heard um, Raptors management talk about that. And, and I think when you look at their profile as, as through, from their careers, you know, they've had to come up not benefiting from, you know, that kind of, you know, kind of, uh, I don't want to say nepotism, but just being in the scene. Right. So, um, so I think that they're very conscious that there's a lot of talent that is just slightly outside of uh, the mainstream. And, and, and so I'd be surprised if we saw, you know, a career NBA head coach um, take this job. Yeah, I think, I, think that's, um, I think that's interesting too and really good point because, like, you think about, like, this just whole decade from, like, Dwayne to, to Nick Nurse as well, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, it does feel like based on what happened this season and, like, based on some of Masai's comments at, at a season-ending presser that this is really an opportunity for them to really just, like, turn a new page, right? Like, really get a fresh start. Bring a new voice in. Um, Grange, you, in, in your article, too, which everybody can read at sportsnet.ca, you, you talked uh, at length, too. You wrote at length, too, about Becky Hammond. Um, you know, wh- how do you think Becky Hammond would, would, would fit in here? And obviously, you know, her name being brought up has, has brought a lot of attention as well. Yeah, I think she'd be – I mean, she's a candidate. She's in the running, I think. Um, definitely, you know, captures headlines because, uh, you know, if and when she is hired by an NBA team as head coach, like, it'll be – it'll be a groundbreaking moment. Like it'll be the biggest story in, you know, in sports for a certain amount of time, um, just because of the nature of, of having been the first female to coach at an elite level, um, to coach men. Um, so that's one element of it. But what's interesting, I, I, I talked to Kayla Alexander who played with Becky, uh, for a couple of years early in her career at the end of Becky's career, and, you know, you really came away from that conversation with, you know, her impression of her being, again, a very special person, just somebody who you don't encounter all the time. And, you know, she, I think Kayla said, you know, I was, I was, an, it was a privilege. It was an honor to be her teammate for a couple of years. And, but, and kind of at the same time saying, as much as she respected her, like it wasn't like Becky was walking around looking for that respect. It was more, she was the person reaching out. You know, let me know if I can help you uh, have the team over at our house. Like she was very much a leader and an accessible 
person within a locker room, which I think is was pretty notable. I also talked to uh, Dan Hughes, who coached uh, Becky Hammond for all eight, I believe, of her seasons in San Antonio. And, uh, you know, they talked a lot at length of, of, about her making the transition to coaching and then at that time going and coaching the Spurs. And, and again, like I've talked to a lot of people, <laughs> right? Part of the job is you talk to people and generally you're hearing people say the best things about people they encounter because that's just the nature of, of most of the work we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not that often. I, I would say, and I had a the conversation I had with, with her former coach is quite lengthy. I haven't used all of it, but, um, you know, you really came away, I came away from that very impressed and, you know, very confident that again, Becky Hammond is not your average person. She's somebody who has qualities that, um, you know, have allowed her to kind of overcome a lot of obstacles and hurdles to create the career she's already created, both on the floor and now as a coach. And, you know, you just kind of just get this feeling that she's somebody who, if she gets the opportunity, when she gets the opportunity, she, A, she'll deserve it mm. and B will run with it. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I think the real risk for somebody making a decision there, the Raptors or anybody else are if they, you know, if, if, if Becky Hammond were to so-called fail for, like the 50 reasons any other coach fails, it just gets a little more complicated, right? Um, because, you know, you're, you're adding another layer of of questions as to why uh, you're making a coaching change and stuff. But I think that's a small issue. I think, um, you know, I, I think, as I said, just digging into her background a little bit, I think she'd be a really interesting and a really impressive hire. Yeah. I mean, and, and even just to push back on that, like I understand why, you know what you're talking about in terms of the questions being difficult but like that shouldn't hold anybody from holding that position in the first place like it's 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 awkward and difficult when they fired dick right we we were in that room yeah. and no, it, you know what you're i mean absolutely we, we right. peppered him you're for, correct. we peppered him aside for like 20 minutes about questions i think it's interesting too because when you look at the list and there's like i think 12 uh candidates that have been publicly uh associated with the job of some degree um you know what becky does have is head coaching experience that a lot of these people don't have on this list um, you know, you see also uh, the, the extensive time that's been put in with the Spurs program, which is very much a coaching tree in the league. And you also mm-hmm. have the former player experience as well. Like there's just those three boxes just aren't checked by the majority of these 12 candidates. Like you compare it to like JJ, for example, like the, the, the amount of coaching experience is just really not uh, similar whatsoever in this case. But listen, I'm sure like the Raptors will, you know, make their decision. I think it was a really interesting thing you brought forward in terms of the timeline, right? So, the combine is coming up uh, next week, and, and you sort of brought forward the idea of that's another opportunity where the NBA gets together and you get to have potentially even more meetings. So, Grange, if we have any idea in terms of just like when is the first round over, when are they going to finalize, how many people are going to finalize and move forward with? Because, I mean, look, it's not like they need a coach tomorrow necessarily, but at the same time, it's like I think people are kind of wondering, like, how long could this process sort of carry on for? Yeah, I think it'd be, um, you know, I, I, it won't be before the combine. Um, you know, as you point out, and I pointed out in the article, like it's just kind of like a convention. It's a great opportunity to do follow-ups or to gain extra intelligence or whatever it might be. Um, 
so that kind of, you know, but I think they hired Nick, I think, on June 9th of 2018. You want to have at least a few weeks, I think, before the draft to really allow uh, this other uh, important part of your brain trust to kind of uh, contribute to that process, which is a very important process for the Raptors, um, as we know, uh, with that lottery pick. Um, so I would kind of look for it to be that last week before the last week of May or maybe that first week of June. I think it'll probably be likely in there. You can kind of envision tightening things up, you know, as we speak and probably in through the combine and then, you know, making using that last week to kind of sleep on it and make sure everything's tied up and and uh, negotiated and, and, and maybe, you know, let's just put a circle around that first weekend of June, first week of June, although it could be sooner, it could be later. Right. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I think we're just so used to, like, I, I don't know, head coaching searches in the past was, like, a little bit quicker. Enough for the Raptors. I think for other cases and, and other places where, you know, you fire somebody, but you have a candidate in mind and sort of it, it moves on quickly. Um, actually, one more thing just on, on coaching before we move to just uh, awards. And, and Grange, you, you, you revealed that you did have a ballot as well. So we'll talk about that. Pascal obviously making – or not making uh, all NBA third team, but OG, I know, be making all defense. Um I think some people here in Toronto are a little curious. How come we're not hearing Nick Nurse's name in any of these uh, coaching vacancies elsewhere? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think Milwaukee would be an obvious sure. spot. Um, I think, you know, Nick probably has a little bit of leverage to kind of wait and see if there's another opportunity that opens up. I mean, hmm. you know, he would have some history, I think, with Daryl Morey um, from Houston. Um, and you wonder what could or might happen in Philly. If uh, I mean, they're looking really good right now, obviously. Hey, but, Listen, hey, but, hey dog, yeah. I've seen Doug Rivers blow a lot of leads, so let's just wait. Let's <laughs> I don't just know, wait. man. Let's just I don't wait. know. The Celtics just, looking really shaking these let's days. Let's just wait. All right. Yeah, so, so I mean, you, you wonder if you might just be waiting there. Um, he's certainly under no pressure, right, given his contract status. Mm-hmm. and Or maybe you even just keep waiting, and, and you know, there's maybe an opportunity midseason. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't have any insight onto that, onto that other than maybe he's just kind of keeping it low key and uh, kind of knowing. I think, you know, I don't think Nick somebody's going to come in and and be someone who's would be competing for a job among five other candidates, right? Like I think it's he's somebody that the organization kind of has a feel for and and has already not quite made up their mind, but is pretty convinced as to what um you know what that what nick could offer so that would be my interest my the way i would read that situation yeah um so moving on to the awards like will mentioned so so you know the all nba teams were announced yesterday and you know pascal did did not make the cut and i think the expectation you know going in was that he was kind of on the bubble there and probably going to be on the outside looking in um so grange you know you you were a voter like what was your thought process like you know in terms of you know, Pascal, putting Pascal, you know, not on this all NBA list or on the all NBA list. And like, what was the, what was the hardest award for you to, uh, to decide on when you were voting? That's a good question. Um, I, as it relates to Pascal, I did have him as a third team candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my, when I, when I do a lot of the voting, especially with, you know, the all NBA stuff, I really do a pay, a pay attention to games played minutes played. Mm-hmm. That's a big tiebreaker for me. And, 
You know, like, for example, I didn't have more minutes than P. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Thank you, Nick Nurse. No. And uh, so I like, for example, I didn't have LeBron on my on my ballot. Right. And, you know, not that he's, you know, he's LeBron. And but I don't think I voted for LeBron last year either. Just, you know, to me, you know, you got to play more than the low 50s numbers of games. I think the lowest number of games I had for anybody was Dame Lillard at 58. And, you know, if I'm figure, okay, if the NBA, like if you don't play enough games to qualify for the scoring title, I don't see how you'd be on any of the end of season award uh, yeah. ballots. That's sort of my basic uh, threshold. So, so yeah. And then I thought Pascal had a great year. He played a ton of volume. He played, you know, he, he you know, I think his numbers speaks to themselves and it wasn't like the Raptors were a horrible team. So I didn't have much problem adding him as a, as a, on the third team. Um, and for me personally, like the challenging one is always um, who, you know, those close cuts to make all NBA f- to begin with. Mm-hmm. And as you might expect, and also choosing all, all, all defense, <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's pretty hard. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just, there is more data out there. It's getting better, um, but it's still really noisy. And, you know, you end up kind of relying on, you know, assistant coaches and, and things like that just to kind of like, am I out of my mind here? Is this wrong? Is this what I think? And, and um, so I had, I had OG at, at, uh, on the second team. And I think, frankly, if the Raptors had been a little bit better, he would have been first team, mm-hmm. um, you know. But, uh, you know, he was as a forward. And, you know, you look at the forwards ahead of him, and, you know, I don't think it's a, it's all that controversial that he wasn't. So I also had Dylan Brooks in there. I think, I think he had, you know, I'm glad Dylan Brooks got, got that um, recognition. I mean, he had a tough finish to his year, but I thought he had a great year and, mm-hmm. and all that. So, yeah, that was a B. You know, all defense is always tough, that's for sure. Yeah, for me, it's almost like um, with the defense thing, there's there's – there's the volume of shots that you impact, which I think always favors bigs, especially bigs that play drop coverage. Obviously, Brooke Lopez is the sort of the poster mm-hmm. example for that versus the versatility in terms of how many matchups can you guard and how much can you handle in isolation? And I would suppose that would be, you know, the OG case, right? And I thought no, right. in, in that similar scenario, OG is for sure one of the first five players you would think about in the NBA in terms of being able to guard all scenarios. But the reality of defense and the way, you know, the game is typically played now is like most action is funneled towards one seven-footer in the lane who's trying to protect the rim. And if you consider how many shots impacted, obviously those kind of centers would really, really dominate this list. I mean, I don't, I feel like there should be an all-defense 13, by the way. Not not to say that I want to hand out more awards, but like... Yeah, but that's like that's like being like there should be like 15 all-stars. You can always <laughs> no, but, expand the list. But though, why is there I mean? three all-NBA... Teams, right? Because those are all pretty so, much just the uh, best offensive players. I think I, I, think I saw something. I think I saw something today. I might have been. Uh, I'm going to blank on the person. So, I, but uh, where if you go back in the day, right? They had two All NBA teams, which but that represented something like 15 percent of the league, mm-hmm. right? That's and right. and so you know if you do the math, well, there would be maybe nine you know, nine all NBA teams, which I think we could all agree is way too much. But okay. yeah. um, <laughs> you know, I think I, I would agree. I think. Yeah, you know, having thirteen all defense is perfectly reasonable. Um, you know, you know, I do think the all star numbers should probably expand to fifteen at least. I mean, the leagues, you know, the rosters are bigger. There's more teams. Uh, not that there's been, you know, there's thirty teams now versus what twelve, thirteen there was, you know, back in the day. So I think it makes sense to kind of blow it up a little bit. Mm. All right, on the all all NBA front, so um, Pascal not making uh, the all NBA team. 
means that uh, the, the most the Raptors could offer him is a four-year extension instead of a five-year Supermax. Uh, the difference there with the extra year obviously is huge, right? Essentially, we're talking about $50 million just on the extra year alone. And also, you're able to offer, like, higher percentage raises. I don't know. Blake's not here to explain this. But uh, four years is, is 192. Uh, the five-year Supermax would have been 290. Um, Grinch, do, do you, did you get a sense that the Raptors would have offered the full Supermax at five years if he had made it in the first place? Because that... I, I didn't really think so, even though it does put the Raptors in an unnecessarily awkward bargaining position. I, I have wrote this, I think, in something that just went up this morning. No, they, they, I don't think the only way he would have, Pascal would have been offered the Supermax would if he was, you know, the top player, five player in the NBA. <laughs> right. If he was on, you know, uh, if the Raptors made it to a conference final and he was, you know, somewhere finished you know, on the MVP ballot was first team all NBA. Then at that point, then I think it would have been a very different conversation, but, mm. um, you know, and I think that probably was made clear even when there was preliminary talks about a extension last summer. Um, you know, so being third team or second team all NBA on a team that, you know, didn't win a playoff round, like you weren't going to get super max for that. And, uh, you know, I think, I don't think there was, that was all pretty, pretty known up front so you know i don't i don't really see this as pascal missing out on you know the supermax i mean i just don't think he was going to get it barring as i said you know like uh, him becoming the next you know bumping Giannis Antetokounmpo out of a forward spot right yeah no that's fair um well on in terms of the four-year uh, i mean to be honest like I, I think it's pretty clear he is worth that amount of money you can look about the, the stats that he's putting up um, you can look across the league in terms of just how many players you could say definitively are better than him i would struggle to see most people getting to 15 even 20 um and when we're talking about that amount of money it, to me it makes sense i think also from the raptors perspective um i think the raptors need to be able to sign players to longer term deals and then if you are then willing to pivot into a rebuild which could be a conversation this summer, although they could have been in the conversation at the deadline as well. Clearly, they sort of kicked that can down the road. But I've, to me, that seems like the better play in terms of getting more value on your players. Not only are you retaining talent, but you have more talent to trade. Grange, do you sort of see that as the possibility here in Toronto where Pascal can be extended this summer and would be extended this summer? Yeah, I think it probably makes sense. I mean, I think you're either going to... You're going to make one of those two decisions. I think you're either going to decide that you know, trading the player with a year left on his deal um, and, you know, a fairly reasonable extension option um, is one way to advance your team. And, you know, and I think the other would be extending him. And then, as you point out, you know, he remains somebody that he screws up your timing if you were going to do a trade. Like, you wouldn't be able to trade him, I guess, till January, whatever that threshold is, depending on when you sign him. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're, you, what you want to remove, you absolutely have to remove, is the possibility of uh, him going into a contract year and, you know, you losing certain, you know, he's just not as valuable a person to trade if he's, if he's only got X number of months on his deal. And uh, so I think we'll either see one of those two things. I think we'll see an extension or we'll see, um, you know, a, a trade. And, uh, you know, that'll be uh, – that, that'll be – keep you guys have been in, pod, in podcast material for a while. <laughs> I mean, 
personally, on the record, I would not want to see a trade, but also at the same time, I'm not saying no to offseason content. But yeah, any, anything to pass Draymond Green on the charts, you know. We might have to pass JJ Reddick. So what happens to, what happens to the podcast? <laughs> if JJ to battle with, dude. No, JJ's going to record a reaction podcast while I'm recording the reaction podcast. This is I'm not going to be able to compete. I'm, that's why I'm anti-JJ. I'm sorry. That's, that's exactly yeah, well, that's I'm anti-JJ, yeah, no, from the point of view, yeah, his podcast is amazing. So hey, let's, uh, I let's, presume let's blend it together, he would have man. to give it up. Let's blend it together. Can you, no, Can you I, imagine if he, if he didn't give it up, if he just kept his podcast going? Uh, Grange, yeah. in this day and age, I think that actually is quite possible. It's it's not outside the realm of possibility. Look, look yeah. at Draypod. Look at look you know, look at the Warriors in general. They got Bob three, Myers has a podcast. They got three podcasts on their team. Uh, I don't know, man. I think I think JJ from a media standpoint for us would be great. I think he'd be great with the oh, media. Oh, absolutely. And that's the other amazing. aspect too of, of the head coaching search is like maybe have you guys on his podcast. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm warming to the idea suddenly. This might be the only way we pass Draymond um, again. But uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, man. It's this. This could be a busy summer range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really could be. And um, you know, and it's it's you know the one thing I kind of keep hearing or getting the impression over and over again is there, there's no real appetite for a rebuild. So if you're not going to do that, mm. then uh, you got to be really crafty. And um, you know, I think a coach is is one change. Um, it's hard to imagine that's the only change. But if you're trying to make those changes and actually improve, um, you know, it's it's to me it seems really tricky because any of the people you're trading, you know, are really you know anything that you have value that you might want to trade are by definition <laughs> things that you don't have much of yourself. So. You know, even Gary Trent Jr., right? Like, if you don't, people have various feelings about signing him, and I understand why. But, you know, if he walks away and you get nothing in return, well, you know, he probably was your fifth or sixth best player. So, you know, what do you do without him? (laughs) You know, is your team better that you don't have him? I'm not sure. Um, And you kind of keep asking yourself that question as it relates to all the pending free agents or the guys looking for extensions. And, you know, you, you know, if you want to do a trade that doesn't involve um, kind of bringing back futures, mm. so to speak, um, it's really hard. You know, you want to trade Pascal Siakam, maybe, but you are you actually, is your team actually better when you trade your best player? It doesn't happen very often. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, no, he... ap- no appetite for rebuild. Is that, is that from like a front office, Masai Bobby, or is that like ownership? Uh, I think all around. You know, I mean, I think, um, you know, I think that there's still a belief that this group has, um, you know, has, has the potential is, is on its way to being something good. Like there's a recognition, obviously, that it needs more and time being needs more time, but also probably more talent. Well, not probably, but definitely, definitely. but um, your, you know, your way to get there is to add to it versus kind of splinter it up and, and try again. Well, I mean, you know, it would. It's, I, I I struggle to see what the path would look like because again, you got to give up something to get something in this league. But uh, you know, you never know. Obviously, the front office is well paid and have a great track record of uh, adding talent to this group. So, Grange, appreciate you. Um, I hope you I hope you're enjoying a little bit of time off at least. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll be in touch with you next time. There's something interesting going on. Oh. Yeah, next leak another podcaster, and you'll be on the next day. Oh man, Draymond Green has uh, <laughs> has entered the football. Has, has the considered mix. being a player coach. Is in God damn, he's coming for our entire market. I swear <laughs> to God. All right, Grange, thank you, man. See you guys. Take care. Bye. All right.
Man. Michael Grange. No, no rebuild. You know, I, I, you know, Grange put up another article at Sportsnet.ca today. Mm-hmm. Haven't had a chance to. Oh, to I'm, read I'm, it yet. I've already read it, man. But I get the sense, like, he's just from, from reading the headline, too, is like, you know, I feel like even he he agrees that the Raptors are far further away than, like, what they think. Like, there, there's just the talent. Like, you watch the playoffs, yeah. too, right? Yeah, like for sure, for these, sure. We're watching these playoffs right now, and I know we're in here talking about the Raptors for, for most of the season. And, like, you can't help when you look at these teams to, to compare them to, to the Raptors, the team that we've been watching. And it's like mm-hmm. the talent discrepancy is not just, you know, one player, two player away, right? Like, like yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot to this roster that needs to be improved. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm just still not sure if them not, you know, tanking this year and like going that other route, you know, getting a high draft pick and now hearing that they're very committed to, to, you know, going moving forward, trying to improve this roster. Like, I don't know how much they can do this summer. Here, here's the thing the, to play devil's advocate. Cause mm-hmm. I, I agree with your stance on that. Too. Yeah. They would say, you look in the playoffs right now. Yeah, you Bobby right now. Okay. The Lakers. I'm talking to Bobby. The okay. number seven seed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, on have, the verge of the conference finals. Yeah, they have LeBron. Yeah. Uh, the and Miami AD. Heat. Yeah, they have Jimmy Butler. Number eight Butler. seed. They have Jimmy Butler. Are on the verge. They have Jimmy Butler. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're talking about a lot of parity in the league, mm-hmm. leading to parity in the playoffs. Sure. Because it's not like the number one seeds are just rolling here. Sure. Um, I feel like you're selling a lie at that point, though, man. I, again, I'm playing a double. <laughs> I know. Okay, you're Bobby right now. <laughs> yeah. It's me so. and Bobby. Let's no, go. I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. But I, I do think that, um, yeah, it, look, they want to build from the middle. That's okay. Even mm-hmm. if they resign players, I don't know if they're, like, super committed to the idea of holding on to them forever. But sure. you would eventually just – I want to see value-added trades more than anything else. Yeah, I think you made a really good point, too, though. It's like you're talking about, like, Pascal signing him to that four-year extension, right? It's like at this point, even looking at the free agents, like a Fred or, like, even Jakob, like all these guys, like, get these guys under contract – um, just as an asset management thing too, right? Yeah, like um, unless there's guys. like some sort of amazing sign and trade deal. Sure, which Andy Lou like, is currently offering, I believe, uh, Jonathan Kaminga and Jordan Poole for uh, for OG. <laughs> oh, brother. I know some people will actually jump in the pool. I feel like we actually have to throw in money to make that work because Poole's extension is kicking in. <laughs> oh, right, that's right. He's only actually getting paid like... <laughs> We're in a bit of trouble here. The rookie scale. No, I just year. think... My biggest fear, and I think the fear for for anyone, you know, rooting for a team is for that team to be stuck in the middle, right? And right now, it it does, you know, it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary to think that the Raptors are headed towards that way. Yeah, no, that's fair. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, but it's okay. We um, <laughs> we can just talk about the playoffs for now. We don't have to worry I was about the say, Raptors. I, I've, I've, had, I've had such a stress free two weeks of just watching playoffs, <laughs> just enjoying it. Um, and not thinking about the Raptors' problems because very much you, you come to the same conclusion all the time. Yeah. Like, this team necessarily doesn't have it as a group, mm-hmm. but you also can't really pivot out of this group right now because they're not at peak value. Yeah, no, so exactly. It, it's I a tough management well position. But anyway, that's not our job. Our job is to take a break. I've uh, been your host, Will Lou. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to The Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. When we come back, we will talk stress-free playoff basketball. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers sportsbook award winning customer service. 
It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers Online Casino and Sportsbook. Must be 19 plus. Available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connext Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Liu. I'm joined by producer and co-host, Alex Wong. Big thanks to Michael Grange uh, for blessing us with the scoops. I know people are going to be uh, aggregating all that takes place. Just remember that Grange so. put uh, Pascal on All-NBA third team. So, well, for that too. No, he's a real one. Also, we laid out the case on the show when it was happening. Like, obviously, this is like over a month ago, so mm-hmm. I don't want to rehash all of this. But, like, it was like him versus Julius Randle versus, like, Laurie Markkinen for that last spot. They should have just all three of them had played. They should just play for it. <laughs> just have a one-on-one for all NBA. I don't know, man. <laughs> Randall's just taking shots from deep in the corner. I, I've never hate watched a player more than Julius Randall. What about Jordan Poole? No, I actually just genuinely hate watching him. Hate oh, watch is oh, okay. just like you're watching it, but you mm. also know somehow it's working. This is me like hate listening to pods. Yeah. <laughs> Which ones? Say it on air. We have, uh, by the way, a Boston Will Lou update. Um, yep. We have located him. Uh, okay. Exchange text with him. So first off, what's morning. his name? Uh, it is Sochi Sochi Tirada. Yeah, mm. we'll we'll get the gotcha. proper pronunciation. Oh, uh, next week. You what's know, thanks to on, so he covers the Boston Celtics for MassLive.com. Yep. Um, I sent a photo to a friend of the program, Michael Pina, yesterday. Yep. Uh, Michael Pina, and he immediately was able to put me in touch. <laughs> with uh sochi and he, you hitting he, your network man. he also told um so he told me when i told him i sent him a photo of you mm-hmm. and i was like hey just letting you know like it's been pretty funny like people have been sending a clip of you and saying that you know you look like the host of the raptor show and he's like and he's like yeah like i've been getting messages on my end <laughs> that someone in toronto looks like me so he was in the middle of texting uh, me the full story and i stopped him i'm like don't spoil this I want you to come on air next week. <laughs> I want it fresh. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're we're, we're going to talk Celtics because he covers the Celtics. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. But then we're also going to dive into this as part of our Asian Heritage Month coverage. So there we go. We're going to do right. we're going to do a side by side comparison. I want to know if he's ever asked a player for ramen. I want to know everything um, about him. Some uh, listener unearthed a tweet from him that he drove. Uh, with his girlfriend to Montreal last summer and said that Montreal <laughs> was an amazing uh, spot. So it, it's man. starting to weird me out a little oh, bit. No. Which, one, which one of us took a photo by the orange Julius? Oh, man. It and was actually not, me. We're not talking Julius <laughs> it was, Randall. It was actually me. Um, uh, speaking of Asians, happy yep. birthday to Joseph Cacharo. Yo. Um, he is turning uh, around 30 to 32 today, I believe. Yeah, relax, man. Relax. relax so relax. Um, still in his prime. Bro, um, he's at his peak. What are you talking about, Subscribe man? to Pound the Rock. But seriously, man, you know, Cash... You know, Cash is a—he's just a great dude, man. He's one of great my great dude, one of my closest, Friendly one of my community, closest. Love real this dude. one, great really? boss back in the day. No, you don't understand, man. The number of midnights I've spent with Cash drinking mm. the free beer at the score on Fridays. So oh it was, uh, man, it was a lot. It was a lot of those. But, yeah, he uh, ordered the he dude, ordered the chicken feet when we went to celebrate the 2019 championship at Rollson. Okay, I ordered it. To be clear, uh, I ordered for the you're getting table. You, you're taking credit right I, now. No, I'm not taking just credit. just let him I have did. his credit. It's his birthday. No, but he reached for it. Here's the thing: we had a whole table, and not all of them were Chinese. Yeah, and I put that on the table as a dare, also because I want to have it. And yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. You wanted something. Yeah, I'm sure Faisal was cringing. Everybody was cringing. Like, oh, what's, and, his, and what's cash, his feet doing? Cash with a hood on, mm. like hoodie mellow style. Yeah, <laughs> reached right in with the chopsticks, perfect legend. form. Just a oh, just a God, legend. Man. So good. Um, mm. th- that is exactly what. Mm, so good. <laughs> that was exactly what Cash That's said. Probably what he said that day. Um, 
No, shouts to him, man. Bamberg Circle, the Prince of Bamberg. Shouts to, shouts to listeners Josie and Colin on their way to Montreal today and was listening to the I Banter Pod. Yeah. And I was messaging them and I said, um, you know, make sure you pull over when I start rapping like Eminem. Um, you Yo, got to enjoy really that. Good. That's really good advice. You got to enjoy that a little bit. Nah, make sure you're on then, the on and, route, man. Make and then sure. Josie was like, my sister is also in the car. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't want that many people <laughs> listening at the same time. No, what they said was uh, they actually saved the episode <laughs> for the drive, for the drive specifically. Because yeah. that drive, which I have sat in on many times, is, mm-hmm. uh, is, is a minimum six hours with, with one stop. So Yeah, so... There you go. By the way, Mother's Day coming up on Sunday. Mm. Got your Mother's Day plans in order? What's going on? I do. I do. Um, mm. Don't want to reveal all of them on air. Okay. Uh, I actually can't because my mom, like, watches this. So. Oh, I can't because one of the situations is sensitive, as you know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we talk talking multi-generational oh, yeah. Mother's Day. Anyways, uh, I did find out because we're going to a Jays game next week. I'm excited. Yes, that's right. Um, with Cash, and, yeah. Yeah, with Cash and, and Joe Wolf on. Right. But, um, yeah, if you don't have any plans, you know. Jays have a Alec Manoa bobblehead thing on Sunday, man. So you should take your mom to a Jays game. No, I'm, first fifteen thousand fans get an Alec Manoa. With all due respect head. to the Toronto Blue Jays, which I saw uh, lots of ads for uh, watching Lakers uh, Warriors last night uh, on Sportsnet, but and my mom is not interested in, right. in, in sports. I think Shouts my dad is more interested in this. I'll yeah. pro- I will definitely take him to a TFC game. Okay, okay, uh, okay. You know right. this uh, this summer. Yeah, shout uh, shout to Ali Khan Richard. Madeline. But yeah, no, they're just, my mom is not interested in the sports aspect, but, uh, you know, happy happy Mother's Day, mom. Big fan of the Jays marketing and PR team. Uh, Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Yeah, Raptors as well. Um, Anyways, 40 games and 40 nights update. I know we're running out a bit of a time, but, Mm -hmm. you know, fortunately we have tomorrow to really dive back into these playoffs. Right. We don't have Grange telling us everything that's going on in the organization. And really not talk about the Raptors. Um, I don't know what, what what's happening. Sixers, Celtics are playing tonight. Sixers have a chance to advance to the conference finals for the first time since Allen Iverson and Jumaine Jones in 2001 oh when they beat the beat the <laughs> Raptors. Jumaine Jones, baby. Uh, the oldest Joe Henderson award winner ever, man. Doc Rivers has 29 losses with a chance to clinch a playoff series. The most no. in NBA no, what? head coach. King Not history. a doctor. 29. Th- th- that cannot he be He is a also stat. on a six-game losing streak in series clinching games in the second round. Because if you go back to the Clippers and the bubble and the Sixers against Atlanta, um, he's on a six-game losing streak. Because I saw this amazing step, again, watching the game yesterday. Yeah, the NBA where Doc Rivers happens. Right? <laughs> amazing Because they were like, oh, the Warriors are 8-2 and two in elimination games. Yeah, which is... Which is telling you that they've only ever been eliminated from the playoffs twice. I can tell you the two eliminations. Game yes. 7 against the Cavs and Game 6 against the Raptors. Hey, that was another That's great it. game out there. Um, yeah. But... 29 losses with a chance to eliminate a team is disgusting. You Doc, okay. definitely enough. Doc, beat the allegations. I'm, I'm on your side now, Doc. I think, I think Doc's doing a great job. Um, he has done a great job so in the I series. don't want to jinx it. I don't want to jinx it. Um, but that is, that's like a Will Chamberlain stat, man. Brother, like, we talked earlier this week about the 3-1 leads, right? Remember the T-Mac one? I don't know. Doc Rivers coached that team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He coached that team. He he has a history of this. He has blown 3-1, 3-2. Mm. He's blowing 3-3 leads too somehow. Damn. Um, Celtics, are they on Fugazi watch? Because in this series, I feel like they have given away three games. They have they lost game one at home to a mm-hmm. Sixers team without Joel Embiid. They blew game four on the road when they lost in overtime. Jalen Brown helping on the strong side. Mm-hmm. Joe Mazzula not doing his job, not calling timeouts. Your job as a head coach is to call timeout and run a play. The cheese man. Um, oh what I'm calling him from now on. The stinky cheese man. Um. And they were blown out at home in Game Five. They didn't. They didn't show up for that one. 
Yeah. Like they, they, they played with the intensity of a regular season game. Another, another big stat for you, Al Horford, since shimmying in game four, has zero points. Well, he also <laughs> did tell a reporter, I don't know who, I hope it wasn't Sochi, that yeah. the, um, he's an elite shooter. Oh, if he told he, Sochi, he went, he went we, 0 for 7 we, with some breaks. Oh, we putting him on the Boston yeah, I have more threes this week than Al Horford. <laughs> <laughs> Six to be clear. Six. Yo, uh, oh yeah, we didn't. Even, oh yeah, we weren't here yeah, yesterday. It's all, it's all good. I just want to pay some respects to to Will Lou, man. Yeah, what about um, why? Hit a game winning three mm-hmm. from from thirty five. Okay, thirty five is ridiculous. Yeah. It was thirty. It was thirty. It was thirty. It was thirty. We played on a high school gym. Man. Played. You played amazing, man. I wasn't familiar. Yo, I hit, with the, I hit a corner three to start the whole run. Wasn't familiar with the game. Warriors forced yeah. game six yesterday. Mm-hmm. AD was hit in the face by Kevon Looney in the fourth. Left Yo, I the hope game. he's okay, man. By the way, this is the second time Kevon Looney's hit somebody in the face accidentally. Yeah. All reports are, you know, initially there was some, some concerns because Chris Haynes was saying that, you know, AD was a little bit wobbly in the back. They had to bring him to a room in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. But by all accounts, the report so far coming out today is that he's all good to go and he's avoided a, a concussion. Per reports. Um, I hope yeah. so. I really hope that's the case. Yeah. Uh, I just also think that like every single time the camera panned over to him and he looked so dizzy and dazed. He and did look like, very dazed. I don't know. This is a really tricky issue in sports. Obviously, it happens in other sports more often. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you see it in, obviously in, uh, in football and hockey. Yeah. You see it in soccer as well. Soccer takes it really seriously. They stop the game anytime there's a head injury now. Um, the NBA's got to move in that direction as well. You For cannot sure. be slow on this. Like the rest of the sporting world has moved on in this direction. Yeah. You have to be absolutely safe. The fact that there was even a possibility that he would come back into the game after what happened to him and the way he was dazed, mm-hmm. that just needs to be addressed. This needs to be treated with the most most seriousness. But speaking of the game last night itself, obviously amazing. We only have a little bit of time here to talk about it. Yeah. But I also watched it with my my brother, who's uh, t- 21 years old. Yeah. Stop ordering food. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yo, chill. <laughs> Actually, he's 20 years old. Okay. But Watching how a 20-year-old watches uh, an entire sporting event mm. versus how I watched it, I was tuned into every play. And obviously, I'm a huge NBA fan. This is yeah, my yeah, job. Yeah. It's been like established. That, right. But, like, I'm watching every play. I'm like, oh, you see that back pick? Oh, yeah. you, see, you see how Jordan Poole missed that read right there? Oh, mm. you see that little, like, oh, they're top blocking here. That's why he cut back door and he got an open layup. Mm-hmm. My brother the whole time, this guy will watch for two minutes, and then, like, he literally fell asleep in the fourth quarter. Uh, and Steph the, Curry was making you know, all sorts of jumpers to uh, close it out. Outside of falling asleep, this is literally when we're in the radio booth. And, and you're, like, pointing out different plays and stuff. I just think it's a and generational like, difference, man. I don't know if young kids are no, still just, watching the entire no, two-and-a-half-hour broadcast people, It's just how people watch basketball. Like, no, they, you, they, they see all the clips. They've seen the Reddit posts. Yeah. They've seen Twitter, all that kind of Instagram. No, I, I hear you. There's but different ways to But they watch the whole broadcast? It. I don't know, man. The two big things for the Warriors in Game 6, they have won a road game in 28 consecutive playoff series. So maybe they're due. Are the Doc Rivers a road game? And also, as people have seen online, there's a Corgi... That has been predicting this playoff series, and you know he's got the Warriors coming back from three-one. All right, All right. That, Lakers in six. That does it for us today. Warriors in seven. I've been your host, Will, and you've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Thanks once again to producer and co-host Alex Wong. Thanks, to Michael Grange, our board producer Derek Brandon, Jennifer Miller for helping with the YouTube stream, with behind the scenes, and I'll talk to you soon.